0: Welcome back, everyone, uh, to Across the Romaverse. It's Sean and Steve here again um, with some big news, as as you would have heard by now. Roma has hired Jose Mourinho as our next manager. Uh, the news came down yesterday right after the news that Paulo Fonseca would not be back in Rome. It wasn't really a surprise to anybody with the way the season has kind of progressed and gone downhill under Fonseca's uh, guidance. And, you know, Sean, I was... I I'll get to your initial reaction, but I'll just tell you I was at work when this news broke. Um, one of our listeners, Jody, uh, actually tweeted at me that you and I would have some big news to talk about coming up, and I thought he was referencing the Fonseca uh, uh, announcement. And then I went on Twitter and I accidentally, I actually actually had to like delete my reply to him and reply again because I didn't realize that Mourinho had been hired. And then like a couple, I refreshed my Twitter feed and there it was all over the place. So I was a bit (laughs) shocked. I don't know about you, but what was your initial reaction to the Mourinho signing?
2: I was in bed and I I got, (laughs) I got, I got you guys emails and the subject header was uh, Mourinho roundtable. And I, I, like, when you wake up and that's the first thing you see, you think like, man, we must really be struggling to get through this week (laughs) because we're going to do a round table Q and a about some hypothetical Mourinho. I guess it's it's just, we could do better than this. And then, um, I, I skipped past all, like, I didn't even read the emails. I just noted up okay, not caseisatotti.com when I saw the news, the official, Jose Mourinho's the next room manager, and then it all made sense. But I was, uh, you know, that was my that was my incredulity at first. I woke up to this thing and I just thought, I thought you guys were bored.
0: Yeah, I mean, after you and I recorded Saturday, the, the United, you know, episode about the tactics argument... You know, I kind of sent a a message to you, like I think we should skip our Monday pod, and you you agreed because you know what were you going to talk about after that another loss to Samp? And I was like, I don't know, maybe this coming week we'll think about doing our next episode in our mini series about Barca to try to yeah something to boo you know buoy people's spirits a little bit since everything's been going kind of downhill. And then lo and behold, maybe
2: we'll we'll get lucky with some news this week. Yeah, we'll get a little (laughs)
0: little news to talk about, and it was the biggest news we've seen in some time in Rome. Um, I have to say biggest managerial signing in my time as, as a fan, you know, I've been a fan since the first Spalletti reign and and no manager signing has been this big. Um, you know, Luis Enrique turned himself into a big manager after he left, but when he came, he was kind of an unknown, you know, and, um, Spalletti, Garcia, these guys are decent managers,
2: but nobody to this level. It's a little different for me because I I was a fan when Capella was there, but at the same time, I was too young to appreciate who the hell Fabio Capello even was. I, you know, for me, he was just Fabio Capello, Roma manager. wasn't aware that he was Fabio Capello, the guy who'd taken over from Arrigo Sacchi at Milan, uh, the guy who'd led Desai, Rijkaard, and Van Basten to beating Barcelona, like smashing Barcelona in a, in a Champions League final. I wasn't aware he was uh, Fabio Capello, who'd led AC Milan to be the first ever undefeated team league champions in Italy. So you know this is different for me because I'm I'm well aware of who Jose Mourinho is.
0: Yeah, by by far the biggest name uh, and manager and trophy cabinet, you know, resume type manager that we've we've had since Capello for sure. Um, which brings us to the ownership group, the Friedkins. We'll we'll start off there. As you guys will notice, this is going to be a very listener heavy. Uh, you know, question heavy episode because we solicited questions and we got a bigger than usual response with the big news. So most of the We're pod will be, now. yeah, um, <laughs> most of the pod will be Sean and I, you know, fitting the listener questions into our original outline that we had. Um, You know, you guys really helped beef up the skeleton that I came up with last night with all the questions you got in today. So thank you for that. But uh, we'll start with the freekins, Sean, because, you know, we kind of had a feeling that Fonseca, even when things were going a little bit better earlier in the season, might be in trouble just because of, you know, the Freakins being a new ownership group that they might want their man. Um, I don't think anybody knew that this would be their man. Uh, he was employed by Tottenham Hotspur just three weeks ago or so. Um, yeah. You know, all signs pointed to Maurizio Sadi. But apparently, according to reports from Fabrizio Romano and others, you know, the last time we had a real contact with Sarri was, January um so yep. we'll get into the media reports in a bit but what does this signing say about the Friedkin's ambition because Mourinho is making 7.5 million annually for his the three seasons he's slated to be in charge plus he's getting you know some money from Spurs I think it's about 9 million for the first two seasons to play out that contract but just Roma dishing out seven and a half million on their end for him what does that say about the ambitions of the the Friedkin's
2: well just on the details of that we you know we had a and a with cartilage-free captain, our SBN Tottenham Hotspur site today and they say there are conflicting reports over how much Mourinho is getting paid and, and from who. Uh, they reckon that Spurs have managed to, to rid themselves of Jose Mourinho's salary or at worst case scenario, they'll be paying for him for one season, like 50% will be, be paying just under um, the other half. Um, as we also be said, that some of that is offset by the fact that he's going to get a nice 75% Tax-free discount from the Italian government for, for returning from Italy. For, he hasn't lived here for over three years, so he's entitled to that tax break. Mm. Um, so that's you know that's that's less money that Roma has to pay in terms of the gross annual wage. But yeah, what does it say? Uh, we still don't know. You know. That's my honest opinion. I think um, I, you know I've maintained this whole season that the coach isn't the problem, and you know I'm over the whole who should replace Fonseca thing because it's done now. But you know, I'm consistent with that and that the coach is really just a small part of the puzzle um, and he's just, you know, Jose Mourinho is a brand. I don't even say that cynically. I mean, literally, he is a brand. His, his name is branded and it's the, the rights to his name are owned by Chelsea in 2025 according to the news today. So, he, you know, if you want to you know, do things in his name, you actually have to pay Chelsea. Mm. Um, that's That's just how big of a commercial name he is. So, uh, you know, on a commercial level, they're certainly ambitious. But as far as turning the, the club direction to sort like, steering it to somewhere consistent, we don't know. Because the problems that are facing this club or the obstacles facing Roma right now are so much bigger than what's happening on the pitch, in my opinion. What do you think?
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's definitely a swing for the fences type hire to really attract attention to their, their new team. You know, we see them at every match pretty much. Since they've taken over, which is impressive for yep. people from the United States. Uh, yeah, they, they, I know they have offices in London and things like that, but you know their main business interest, their main residencies in the U.S., and they're at, they've been at pretty much every match since they've taken over. So they're definitely uh, invested in this team in terms of their interest level. It seems like um, they mm-hmm. want to make this work and be successful. I think they see the potential in Roma, uh, probably the same potential that other, you know, the previous ownership group saw after they bought it from. Um, you know, the previous Sensi ownership, but um, I think it's, it's, you know, certainly there's as much as Roma's paying Mourinho. I, I saw a tweet from Tancredi Palmeri today that said since yesterday, uh, Mourinho's announcement, Roma shares have gained 37% in the stock exchange, uh, which is approximately mm-hmm. 75 million euros. So right there, you talk about Mourinho being a brand and he's instantly impacted Roma's shares. You know, how long that will yeah. last is another story, but a, yeah, exactly. A, yeah.
2: And those those shares are very volatile. Mm-hmm. You see, you see with every press release that's you know, on this on this scale or thereabouts, the, the stock goes up like around ten to ninety percent. This yeah. is extraordinary in that it's it's gone up even further than that. But very soon, within the week, it tends to fall. So yeah, you know, it's, it's, I don't know if there's really any value gain there for the club right
0: now. Yeah, but in terms of notoriety, you look at the all the front covers of Corriere dello Sport, Gazzetta dello Sport today it was Mourinho, you know, when Roma last week was the only team left playing in Europe in a semifinal. Yes. The Europa league is not the champions league. Uh, They were kind of pushed to the corner of the front pages. I saw of most of those publications um, to other news that was regular midweek, you know, news about other clubs. So definitely caught the attention of people. Um, I think the biggest question a lot of people will have, and we had a couple of listener questions um, that I put over here. And the first one was from Andy James, do you think part of the agreement is that they'll get the players he wants to succeed? And will they pay the money to do this? Because, you know, with a manager like Mourinho, often when these big name managers come to clubs, they expect certain things. So what do you think Mm -hmm. in that regard, Sean?
2: That's, that's another piece of the puzzle that's missing. That's why I'm saying we, we don't know what this says about Freakin's ambitions yet, because, okay, you could go this summer, Keeping the squad as is, or maybe making you know the the usual budget signs that that signings, sorry, that Roma makes. And no matter what, the smart money says you're going to have a better season than you just put together this season because it's rare that Roma ever, fish, ever finishes seventh. So yeah. you know you would have to have to focus on deliberately doing bad to be to put a worse season next together next season. Yeah, no matter what, whoever the coaches, whoever the players are, it's it's likely that Roma are going to rise up the table. So you could get away with it for one summer, not investing in Mourinho immediately. Um, and certainly, the word that's coming from some Italian sources is that the freekings have been very clear that they want to build stable and not just you know throw money at it. Um, and apparently, that hasn't changed. That's according to some people. But um, I think by certainly by the second summer of Mourinho in charge, he's going to be saying, "Look, I have a very clear idea of what's wrong with this team." And how I want it to be. And I need you to sign these players. And he's gonna have someone whispering in, you know, in some in the management's ear, because that's what he's done at previously at all his clubs. He's always had a small circle in his own words. And at least one of them holds the ear of, you know, the head of recruitment or whoever it needs to be that that makes, you know, that writes the checks. Um, but we we don't know like if this means big signings. It because there's a there's a different side of Mourinho that. Has been sold to Tottenham Hotspur before he was fired there, and we're not. You know, I'm not saying that this kind of Jose Mourinho that was promised to Spurs as he sold himself to Daniel Levy to get the job actually materialized in reality. But it was a uh, Jose Mourinho that promised that he'd change his philosophy. He said he's taken 11 months out of the game. He said he's back with a you know a new set of beliefs. Um, he seemed more focused on psychology more than you know tactics or football players. Uh, he seemed focused on really. Um, getting getting more than ever inside the minds of this team. Um, and, you know, we, we don't know whether that means that he's going to look towards uh, youth now, whether he's prepared to do that, whether he's over the whole thing of, you know, moving from super-rich club to super-rich club, like he was doing in the mid-2000s to 2010s. We don't know. Um, it's, it's something, it's, a str- it's an odd move because either side is going to have to do something that they haven't done since the turn of the millennium. Either Roma's going to have to go back to 2000, 2000 2001, where they're splashing big, or Marina's going to have to go back to the days of Porter, where he's mm-hmm. finding a, a you know, crew of budget players and, and making it work, giving them a siege mentality, and going up against bigger teams and getting big results.
0: Yeah, I think you make a good point, um, because the Friedkins, uh, from some indications, want to build sustainably, from what we've seen. Uh, But Mm -hmm. does that mean that they can get away with it for this year with a couple investments and then maybe next summer have to go bigger because Mourinho gets hungry for big players? Especially, Mm -hmm. you know, if if say they finish eighth this year, they don't have to play any European competition, including the Conference League, which I don't think anybody wants to play in. Let Sassuolo go there and and waste their time and their legs there. And Mourinho Mm -hmm. really gets a chance to build this season, playing only league football and then the Coppa Italia. And he qualifies in the Champions League, even if he finishes fourth and gets Champions League guaranteed money. You know that right there could be a reason for him to say, look, I got us X amount invested. Now we're in the Champions League. Look, if you can get me these players, I can progress into the round of 16 or the quarterfinals and I'll make us more money. That's when I think the Friedkins might be forced to spend even more if they don't spend big this summer. And this summer is going to be interesting. And we'll get into the, the Mercato and possible signings later. But um, I was listening to um, Solano's podcast yesterday, and he had Nima Tavali on, and Nima made a great point that this is a big transfer market for all the big clubs in Italy this summer. They all need to get their houses in order because there's so many question marks around all the big clubs, Juventus included. Yeah. So and Roma's in that group.
2: And this is also a Mercato where the opportunity to cannibalize clubs that are smaller than you has is, is never been better. You know, everyone's in, in financial trouble. So mm-hmm. you know, if, if you're a Roma, and you're going to be a financial predator and prey on the likes of Sassuolo Udinese, I mean, I know there's a two pl- clubs that pick up the phone to Juventus before anyone else, but you know, those type of clubs, then th- there's never going to be a better time because they-, they need to sell their best talent. Yeah. So, this is really, you know, we said it before at the beginning of the season when the pandemic was in full flow. This is a time where the rich get richer and the poor get poorer.
0: Yeah. Um, and we'll stay on the freakins for a couple more questions before we dive really into Mourinho, but we had a couple great questions from. Um, he goes by Aristotle but his, his Twitter handle is a little bit longer so I won't read it because it's got some numbers mixed <laughs> in there but uh, Aristotle asks is this hiring decision of Mourinho what was needed by the Freakins to not only be taken seriously in footballing terms uh, by the football world but also to be taken seriously in business terms by the city council of Rome I thought that was an interesting question because mm. we've seen the way Pelotas kind of been jerked around by the, the city council in Rome with the stadium project do you think the Freakins having a marquee signing like this might push the city council maybe to reconsider the Roma stadium project in a, in a, new way where they're like, Oh, maybe the Freakins are, uh, you know, much more serious about this than maybe Palota was.
2: Well, it's a two part question. Uh, yeah, the second, second part. Yeah. The city, city council of Rome. I mean, one thing that happened yesterday was the mayor of Rome actually welcomed Jose Mimena mm-hmm. on a Twitter account. So they've already paying attention to this. You know, it's, it's big enough that it's left the back pages and, and made you know the city news. Um but no, like I said, Mourinho's a, Mourinho's a a face for the front office. Uh you know, it has been taken seriously by the, the Council of Rome. You had the hints in in Pilota's group's uh like goodbye message where they said, I think it was Pilotta himself who said on Twitter, uh, they misjudged who they got into business with when it came to building the stadium. You know, they got into bed with Urinova, and Uranova made it out like they were, they were big shots, which they kind of are because, I mean, the stuff that Pragnasi has put together in the last decade, you know, he certainly hit, um, has his feet under a few tables in Italy. But they, you know, Urinova promised something that they couldn't deliver at the end and Roma, Roma got hoodwinked in that sense. And you can see that the Freakins actually paid attention to that because they're, their, their most ambitious appointment in the back office and at this club right now is Stefano Scalera. I'm not going to try to sound like a know-it-all by mentioning someone that you know, pretty, pretty much no one has heard of, but this is a former minister of government um, who was part of the Italian treasury, if I'm not mistaken, for years, and a, and a diehard Roma fan, if you see his Twitter account. You know, he's, he's been at the games at the Olympico. So he's cheered along with everyone, um, and they got, you know, got him on board. Now, that's that's the type of serious appointment they needed you know to make to make sure that you had those um, you know direct lines to the city council and that you don't get jerked around. Uh, Stefano Scalera is the biggest appointment that Freegan have made so far. Mourinho's entertainment. Marino, like I said, Mourinho's brand and commercially he might be taking he might help the club be taken seriously in terms of selling shirts and, and keeping them you know, with that sort of like glamour factor around them. But going to the first part of Aristotle's question in footballing terms, no, I, I don't think it's something to be taken serious about unless you back him with the players. Uh, for now, just paying with a hefty contract means that you could be leaving yourself open to be taken for a ride by Mourinho and his gang. You know, he mm-hmm. has uh, Jorge Mendes in his camp. Um, what 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 What's it going to cost Perino to for this to go wrong? It's just another firing and another another severance pay. You know, he's got, he's had tens of millions of those over the years and this is just yet, yet another one. So, um, no, it's not necessarily, this isn't, you know, this is a lot minor, in my opinion, than, than it's being made out to be. It's, it's a glamour signing, but for it to have substance behind it, there needs to be more.
0: Yeah. And then um, along the same lines, Aristotle asked, should Rome's journalists be concerned about their future credibility, considering the Freakins pulled such a swift move without any indications at, at all, um, as, as everything was being reported about Sa- uh, Ball you know, and that was the path they were heading down and now they're ready for a personality like Mourinho. Um, you know, nobody had any indication of this. So, and we already know the journalists in Rome make, you know, they have these far flung stories sometimes where they pitch a transfer rumor or maybe a coaching rumor, but for nobody to be, even be sniffing this, that says a lot about the Friedkins, I think.
2: Yeah, yeah, I agree with you. Um You know, uh, I'll say two things. One is that I, I'm with you, Aristotle, in that I looked up, the morning of uh, like a list of shame of who had just been breaking out the stories about, uh, you know, um, you know, it's agreed and like he's ready to sign and yeah. he's already studying the squad and he, he's just asked for three or four signings. And it's funny because almost every one of those articles that broke that news were uncredited. They were only credited to the paper. It was like Gazette mm-hmm. de la Sport with an unnamed writer and Cachamacato.it. So maybe that's a lesson for the future for, for me personally. I don't know about the rest of you, but um, you know, it, it may seem obvious, but if an article is uncredited, then it's like, you know, people write it without consequences, whether it's right or wrong. Um, and so there's, not, there's no, not, no need to pay attention to it in that sense. But um, there was one guy who was named and said that, um, you know, he, he put his name on the line and said Sally was nearly over the line. And that was Nicholas Kira on Twitter. And I was ready to, you know, really, I'm with you, Aristotle, because I was ready to put him on my list of shame. that I looked at his Twitter account, and, um, you know, credit to him, he still put his neck on the line today uh, and yesterday. He said, look, I got it wrong, and I apologize, but my source, without directly saying it, he more or less let it know that his source was Sari's agent. And Sari and his agent, apparently, according to not just Kira, but many people, were this whole week, like, really really talking out the chance of Sally being uh, getting the wrong job, you know, as an agent does, you know, like because he's gotta he's gotta represent his client, make sure that he's he like, he sounds like he's in demand. So that you know Tottenham comes running on the line and, and says, well, wait, we want to make an offer. Um so they didn't get it, you know, ski didn't get his news directly from the Freakins, he got it from the other side. And the other side, Sally and his agent were convinced that this this was still, you know, a talk that was going on. They had no idea about Mourinho, just like you said, Steve. And uh, what has come out of this most interestingly is that this really seems to be like a, a mole hunt from the, from the Freakins and how they've done this. They seem to like deliberately held back information from people inside the club, mm-hmm. almost like feeding people information and see, seeing what comes down the pipeline the other end. So there seems to be a, like, a lot of, um, there's a lack of trust around the club right now. The Freakins are really figuring out who's talking to the press and who isn't.
0: Yeah. And I don't mind it at all. Let let them, you know, operate in a way where they're not under the microscope of the media who might, you know, leak a story and and ruin a negotiation or, you know, drive up a player value in the transfer market because of story leaks and things like that. If they can operate this clandestinely um, Mm. and still make big moves for the club like Tiago Pinto, nobody knew Tiago Pinto was really coming either. You know, these moves have been very hush hush. Um, and I think they do have a tight circle around them and they know who they can trust and they're figuring out if there's anybody else within the club they can trust and who they can not trust, because you're right. If you're feeding, you know, if I'm feeding Sean, one bit of information about Saudi and I'm feeding Bren a little bit of information about a different manager, and I see which one makes it to the press, I might be able to, to know who's more trustworthy than, than the other come time to, to really negotiate deals and do things like that. So I, I give a lot of credit to the Freedkins for keeping it so quiet and, and the way they've run the club, you know, the media doesn't like it. I know some um, supporters don't like it because, you know, you kind of have to wait and see, you don't get those stories leaked, but guess what? Yeah. It's a, it's a smarter way of running a club in my opinion.
2: Yeah. I, I don't mind it that way because, you know, it means less like instant news for me, less like uh, websites trying to like get a flight or flight reaction. I mm-hmm. me by triggering me with stupid stories, like every 10 minutes. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I'm fine with that. So, yeah.
0: Yeah, just get ready for the, the hailstorm, I'm sure, of potential transfer rumors that are going to be coming down the pike. Everybody who's ever played for Mourinho. Happened. Yeah, it's already, it already starting.
2: Happened. Everyone everyone who's the uh, George Mendes player is being made yeah. right now. Yeah.
0: yeah. Um, so moving on from the Freakins to Mourinho himself, let's talk about what he brings to Roma. Uh, first, what are some potential positives maybe and then some potential negatives, which I'm sure many people have ideas in their head already of. <laughs>
2: You're asking me? Yeah. Um, positives. I think uh, he's, like I said, he's very aware. He's not He's not a tactical manager. People people, you know, love to make things about tactics, but I agree with the article I read by Daniele Lemonaco today, by um, is Romanista, the editor of Isra Romanista, where he said, look, talking about tactics with Mourinho is, is kind of missing the point. He's not that guy. Like, he, of course, there'll be tactics involved, but he's more of a, a game manager and he's very aware of the faces of the game. And by that, I mean, I'm not just talking about defense attack, transition, transition. I mean, what's the scoreline, and who's the opponent? So, like, you know, how he's going to manage the team in terms of being nil-nil away to Juventus is very different to how you're going to manage the team when you're 2 nil down at Hunter Bologna, for Mm -hmm. example. Um, And that's a positive, because what we've seen from Paolo Fonseca and, and... you know, the, the more system coaches as I like to say or in integralisti, as I say in Italian, is they want the team to play with an identity no matter what. You know the, the, the philosophy of Fonseca, Di Francesco, Luis Enrique, is, think, Zeman is like, look, we don't play to our opposition. We we play to ourselves. Mm-hmm. And we go to any stadium and we play the way we do, regardless. And then you then you get a six two hammering or seven one and everyone says well you're stupid. You should respect the opposition and you know, Mourinho do you get that respect for the opposition he's a reactive mm-hmm. manager um so you won't necessarily get those figuracce where you know you're 2-0 down and you're still passing out the back and you're just waiting to get picked off when the team is visibly lacking uh, confidence you know, you get a manager who tells the team like look now's the time just to stay solid for 10 minutes calm yourselves and we'll talk about it at half time and people yeah. you know people who are allegri fans would like that because that's that's what Mourinho brings uh negatives there are a ton of them but I'll let I'll let you take it Steve
0: <laughs> yeah I'll, I'll start I'll piggyback off what you said about the positives and being that game that guy who can really read the match I think we we talked so much about what happened on Thursday at, at Old Trafford I don't think that would have happened under Mourinho um mm-hmm. the way he would have read that match up two one he would have said hell we're back we're we're packing the bus we're gonna you know park the bus and and we're gonna Fight tooth and nail to keep it two-one, or at very worst, go two-two and get those two away goals, something like that. I think, um, and really kind of just probably isolate Jacko up top as as the guy to win some long balls and and see what you can do to kill out the match. So that's yep. that. That I think is one of the bigger differences. Um, like you said uh, negatives. I mean, we've all seen how things can, can go South real fast with him. Um, I was reading the Q and a with Tottenham before we came on the air with the Tottenham group from SB nation. And, you know, their editor said Marino usually has about a three-year shelf life. Uh, he lasted about 18 months in at Spurs where by January of this year, he was kind of at that point where he is at year three with some clubs where he has the, has lost the dressing room, or at least has lost part of the dressing room. There was kind of two factions at Spurs, By the end of it, those that supported him, those that did not, Um, you know, he can be a very abrasive personality. Um, Mm -hmm. Rome was paying him a lot of money. If things don't go well, it's a lot of money down the drain, like you said earlier, I think. Um, So those are the kind of the negatives, you know, if he loses the script, he loses the dressing room and things go bad, then, you know, maybe two and a half, three years from now, we're in the same position starting from scratch again. Um, But I think the positives, like you said, the mentality of the club I, and the players, I think should change a bit. Um, because that seems to be one of Mourinho's strengths, I think, at least initially is to really get the players rallied behind him. And that's what it seemed like it was at Tottenham, at least at the beginning.
2: Yeah. But that, that's where it feeds into the negatives. I mean, yes. there, there are, there are like, there's like a laundry list of negatives that I could go into. Um, and I, I don't feel like I feel ambivalent at best about this right now, but I won't, I won't go overly negative. I'll just say, um, The way that Mourinho gets his players behind him is exactly the reason why he has a short, limited shelf life in his career at his his clubs right now. Um, And Jonathan Wilson is a very um, celebrated football writer who wrote, I mean, it was called The Football Pyramid, his book, Mm the main book. And he wrote a lot of uh, books about South American football. He also wrote wrote one called The Barcelona Philosophy, I think, or something like that. And in that that book, he came up with a... uh, like a theory about why Mourinho never lasts than three years at clubs. And he talked about authority and different types of authority. I thought it was a hugely flawed idea that he put together because he didn't really bother to compare it with other managers, but nonetheless, it was interesting because he was saying um, like the way you maintain authority at a club, other than having like a cult of personality where you just go in and say, look, um, I, I have to lead this club and you have to do what I say because I'm the chosen one. Mm. Which he had that at Chelsea, he had that at uh, Inter, he had that at uh, Porto because at those clubs that he was taking them to a level of success that they'd never enjoyed before and that he had, especially not necessarily at Porto but Chelsea and Inter, definitely. Because Chelsea they want to win the Premier League, he's he won league titles, he's won the Champions League. Um, yeah, Inter they you know they're, they're winning the league but they want the treble, so he's like, mm-hmm. Look, I've won the Champions League, I'll do it. I, I like, that's my mandate, that's why you need to follow me. But this is, this is the, the tragedy of Mourinho and guys like him is that when you make it all about winning, you give yourself so little space to actually, um, for your leadership to live within. Because once those players have won the, the trophy you promised them, why, why on earth did they have to put up with your crap after that? Yeah, you know, that's you, a good given point. Them, yeah, you've lost your authority because you've given them the success that they crave. And then after that, all you do is you come off as the guy who wants 10%. You know, like yeah. they're, they're ready to expand it's like you know they're ready to grow beyond your wing and you're still there saying hey you're doing this wrong you're doing that wrong hey everything you've won in this game is credit to me and mm-hmm. that's why players get tired of Mourinho it's like year three why do I have to put up this guy I'm a, I'm a city I winner I'm, a, I'm an illegal winner I'm a Champions League winner I, I can command whatever I want in the game I don't have to put up with this guy's you know drama anymore yeah and that's that's why he has a short shelf life uh, that's that's like the major umbrella of nexus but there's so many small negatives on the inside that we could go into a whole day.
0: <laughs> yeah. We could spend a whole episode and then some on, yeah. on the negatives, especially when you read a lot of the comments uh, on Twitter, fans of other clubs and, and things like that. Um, so what are the big changes from Fonseca do you think? I mean, tactically the club will look differently at least formation wise. I know, you know, we've seen Fonseca shift to a three, four, two, one this season. I think that goes away. Um, you know, mm-hmm. he, he being Mourinho generally would play a four, two, three, one season type of setup for the most part uh, in the yeah. past. And we had a listener question from O saying he personally likes the three at the back formation. Do you see any chance of Mourinho sticking with it? I personally don't. What do you think tactically?
2: I don't. Uh, stranger things have happened. I, I like the three at the back myself, but not all the time, but I don't see it for Mourinho because Mourinho is very conscious of defending the flanks, and that's much easier to afford a back because you yeah. get um, two wingers ahead of you and you tell them, look, um, if ever we come under pressure on the wings uh you know i needed to come back double up we do a fullback and just defend in numbers whereas in when you have three at the back you have two wide men that are charged with running up and down the flank and they often get caught up field so you know you just you'll get done for for width if it's done wrong and i don't think Mourinho likes that i think he's not not comfortable with that he wants a more defensive facility that forward at the back gives you in that sense
0: yeah and i think tactically that that would probably be the biggest change too is just I expect Roma to concede less goals next season, even if they had the same roster, just because of the way Mourinho likes to play the game compared to Fonseca, I think. Um, Because we've talked about how we have nice individual pieces in defense, some young, some, you know, Mancini closer to his prime years and Smalling, you know, injured a lot this year, more of a, over the prime years defender, but, you know, decent pieces that have kind of been exploited this year with individual errors and things like that, maybe because the wings get caught up the field and the midfield gets overrun. And I don't think we'll see that as much under under Mourinho um, on a regular
2: basis. Well, I think that I think that if we're talking about Fonseca, the biggest problems with Fonseca's rumor, uh recently, at least this year, are uh, that uh, aside from the fact he screwed up the whole jackpot thing, um, there's the just the Defensive transition. I mean, people talk about mm-hmm. passing at the back, and and is it worth it or not? And and does it make us bad passers of the ball? I don't think that if you're someone who who reasons like Mourinho does, you're not worried about the possession phase. You're worried about how it feeds into defensive in transition. You're worried about what does it say about our players? Now, our players might be the best ball players in the world, which I, you know, I I I know maybe not in the world, but I consider some of them the best in Italy, like Mancini Diwara, but. What does it say about them when you lose the ball and you just get flooded by opponents and and no one really has each other back in terms of winning that ball back or even defending yeah. it and keeping out the goal? Yeah, you know, that that's the the transition phase is what Mourinho will be worried about. So I think that's where he's going to be really hammering in the preseason. Like if we lose the ball, you better be back. Mm-hmm. That's that's what he's going to work on in terms of Fonseca's what Fonseca's Roma has a problem with right now. And the second thing is he needs um, like. Mourinho doesn't really care about tactics in the opposition half. He he likes individual talent when it comes to attacking. He will leave it to the up to the attacking players to do their own thing. Um, he, he, that's that goes back to what we're talking about with authority. You know, you get someone like Guardiola or even Fonseca. I'm not putting them in the same league of talent, of course, as managers, but they're from the same school of philosophy where they give themselves longer careers at clubs because they they have um, with young players. You know, they they coach them. Through decisions all over the pitch, so you come to rely on your coach, and and you 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 know it's not just about winning; it's about learning how to play the game. Mourinho's mm-hmm. not like that when it's attacking. Mourinho's just, yeah, he's like, as long as you give me what I want, in defense, then I'll let five of you run up front and you do what you want. Mm. Um, and that's that's where it's going to change, is because um, that's what Fonseca lost in this team, in my opinion, this year is he really screwed things up with Jacko. Jacko is the guy who was um, making sure that the team. Moved up the pitch together, like even if you had three three wrong attackers breaking away, the team didn't leave a gap between the midfield and attack. The Eventually, they caught up with them, yeah. You know, and and uh, that's that makes it easier for you to to get in position when you lose the ball. Mm-hmm. Then when you lost Jekko, you lost that the guy who was gluing the, the front two lines together. And there's a giant gap where people could you know your opponents could exploit it. And you just look at this the disorganized team. You just take goals that way. Yeah. So I think. There won't be a change of tactics instead of attacking, but Mourinho will will want to get those experienced attacking players on side that Fonseca lost.
0: Yeah, yeah, and that and that brings me to my next point. I was going to bring up, which is the man management. That's something that Mm. you you have criticized Fonseca for this year, especially with the Jeco situation and and how things maybe could have gone differently there. Um, You know, we've talked about how Mourinho has lost dressing rooms in the past, but I think initially. Uh, do we see this as a positive in terms of man management where he should probably rally the locker room, at least in the first season from where it is now?
2: I hope so. It's one of the few positives you can get from a Mourinho life cycle. So yeah, I hope so.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So I I think that's something we'll definitely keep an eye on and and to see how he molds certain players, especially those that are kind of in their developmental years still, because we do have some younger players on the current roster. So before we move on to that roster, Sean, you know gut reaction kind of just having 24 hours to digest this or so uh do you think this is a good fit at least initially
2: uh i've been up and down on this honestly yesterday i was ambivalent then i went all negative then this morning i tried to rationalize it to myself and be positive about it and now i'm back to slightly negative um i you know if, if you haven't read our q a with the the uh, cartilage captain. I encourage you to read it. It's on ks.dottie.com. Uh, you'll see the worst-case scenario, and, and that's just because there's so much money involved in this. Mm. Uh, that Mourinho, Mendes, that whole little cartel, you know, if they run through Roma, bring their circus here, and it doesn't work out, they haven't really lost anything. Um, so is it a good fit? It's a good fit for, for the reasons that are really obvious and that we're not necessarily ready to acknowledge, which is that Roma is a club that loves to throw people under the bus. Uh, loves to find excuses for why it's not where it wants to be in life Um, loves to be part of the glamour and be spoken about and be in attention and uh, just loves uh, you know loves everything that Mourinho loves so in that sense it might be a a marriage well a, a good fit but where is it heading to I don't know I have a bad feeling about that personally
0: what yeah, that, that'll be the interesting thing. I think initially it should be a good fit just because he should re-energize the, the team a bit, I think. Um, he he should demand a little bit of respect for Roma that they might not have had the past few seasons uh, as they've gone through their troubles. But you're right, if, if things go the route of Tottenham and quicker than the three-year contract, it could be a real big disaster. Um, yeah. If he's able to sustain something for a few years and get Roma back in the Champions League, and we'll talk more at the end about like where we see this going uh you know it's, it's a matter of how long he can sustain something Uh just if it's really a truly a good fit i you know i the past couple of times before he was hired i've kind of said to myself after he got hired from time wow, like his star was really fallen and i think that's why him and roma have found each other here because roma sure. it has fallen the past couple of seasons let's be real they're seventh place right now that's exactly. roma does not belong in seventh place and in, in most people's eyes you know except for maybe yeah. lazio fans or something um so they're, they, they've, they're tired of being the bridesmaid because even in our, our best seasons in the past decade, it's been the bridesmaid kind of thing where they're yeah. second to Juventus. Um, and now Mourinho has kind of fallen down a peg. You know, he's behind the Guardiola's of the world and, and some of these other yeah. big-time managers in people's eyes. So he's got to kind of reestablish I mean, himself. So in that sense, right. I think they're kind of a match made in heaven, like you said, just in that yeah. it's status level.
2: Yeah, that they, they both – yeah, they're both – looking for the same things. Um mm-hmm. but you're right about the Roma job it has fallen because if this were just about winning and getting a winning coach, the obvious candidate is a Yeah. But um this has been done in two weeks. So it's not a well thought out thing. It's literally like some you know I had a story this morning where someone's reported I think it was Torre at General easter Maybe he was picking back on someone else. But now the new version of events is that as soon as Mourinho was fired, Pinto got on the phone to Freakers and said, should we go for him? And so it was. It was. It was a, it was a piece of opportunism. It's not like yeah. a sign of a, a well thought out plan by the freeks. It's like, hey, this has come up. We should jump on it. Um, and that says a lot. You know, that says that club weren't willing to get into a straight dogfight uh, negotiating with Allegri. Neither Sari, who apparently, um, you know, w- was, would, I mean, had every reason to wait until end of May to see what what the best job offer would would be coming in. So they they go and get the guy who. Needs the job more than anyone else. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know that says a lot about Roma's confidence right now. It's, it's down. And it's not you know, the way they've treated the coach's job in the last few years. It's, there's a lot of doubts about it. People are worried about it. Um, yeah. And that, that's that's something I'm worried about because Roma is very self-conscious as a club and as a city that um, they're starved of success. So I can just see like You can see it coming in the next 12 months where Mourinho, when he gets uh, criticism from the press, he'll say, look, this is a small club. And you should be grateful I'm here. That, that's the that that's the kind of dynamic I'm worried about is that Roma yeah. is so willing to be entering this abusive relationship where the, the part the romantic partner you're with is reminding you that it's their way or the highway. And yeah. the, you were nothing without them before he they came along. And that, yeah. that's that's what I'm worried about
0: yeah I can see that and um, I think you make a, a good point that this was opportunism opportunism and I think that could come down to the fact that if Saudi's willing to wait till May or so and Allegri really hasn't bitten yet uh, on the offer, maybe you lose both those opportunities and by then somebody else you know snaps yeah. up Marino and gives him a shot, maybe somebody else similar to Roma's stature. And then Mm -hmm. you're stuck with, you know, do we want to take a risk on De Zerbi or Juric or some of these other names that are kind of hot and steady, but are they, they're not truly established ever at a big club. And, and that was the risk. And then if it turns into another Di Francesco situation or Fonseca situation, then you're back to square one without the potential big players that might come in to play for Mourinho that maybe not, might not be willing to play for those guys. So yeah, I think it was definitely the opportunism. Uh, Hopefully it hits at least for a short time to get Roma some success, but we'll Mm -hmm. see Um, before we move on to the second part of our, our chat and more listener questions. We'll take a quick commercial break here. All right. Welcome back. So now that we've talked about Mourinho himself, Sean, let's move on to Roma's roster. Um, You know, I'll let you read off the current squad and then we'll talk and talk about maybe where we see some of those players fitting who who's a winner, who's a loser in this whole signing. So Sean, why don't you rattle off the names because it's a long list with the returning loanies.
2: Yeah, this relates to La Magica's question or at, at La Magica 4 on Twitter. Uh, he said he asked, how do you think our current players will be used and which potential signings would you like the most? We'll be with the first off that question first because we're going to deal with it anyway before. Uh, current squad, I'll just list off the names to you, Steve, and you say yes or no in terms of are they going to be here next year. Rick Carstorpe? Rick yes. Roger Bainez? Yes. Brian Costante? I believe so. Juan Jesus? No. Chris Smalling?
0: That's, uh, I think that's a 50-50 right now.
2: Why'd you say that? What do you, do you think? Because,
0: I mean, they he he did play for Mourinho at United. I know it was more Ole that pushed Smalling to the side, but I wonder if, um, I don't know what, the, what his feelings were on Smalling when he was there. I know he played, mm-hmm. I think, 28 matches I read in the In the season they won the Europa Cup when they won. So he you know, he has played him, but I wonder if he will want to keep him around at at his age and things like that. We'll see. I don't know.
2: Okay. Pellegrini. Yes. Jacko?
0: No. (laughs) No? I don't think so.
2: You think Jacko's gone no matter what?
0: I I think Jacko's gone.
2: Okay. wrong.
0: I think because of their past, I think he stays.
2: Really? He only stays for six months.
0: With the Chelsea pass is that he was only with him for six months at the yeah. original spell? Okay, so maybe he, he might not be as much of a fan as maybe I thought he he would have been because he'd made the okay. bar move to Barcelona, right afterward?
2: Uh, or was it the other way around? No, it was the Other way around. Yeah. Other he, way around. Moved, he moved yeah, he stayed at Chelsea and, then and Mourinho, Mourinho left. Fired. Mourinho was fired. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. For the resurrection. Um sorry, not resurrection, insurrection. Uh Simone Ferrelli. <laughs> no.
0: <laughs> That's the easiest one, probably.
2: Yeah. What about Paulo Lopez?
0: Um if Roma can move him, I think he gets moved.
2: Yeah, I agree. I don't I don't see Mourinho taking to look at it all. Gonzalo Villar.
0: Interesting one. I think uh as much potential as he has, I don't know if he's a fit for Mourinho. And maybe if uh the right offer comes along, maybe Roma cashes in.
2: I agree. I agree one percent. Jordan Vertu. Yes. I say no. You say no? say no? Yeah, I, I see I think in a Mourinho team, he either competes with Pellegrini and Costante for that attack midfield position, or he doesn't make it. Mm. Uh, David Santon.
0: Santon, uh, he might be around a, as a reserve. Um, I know Mourinho coached him with Inter when he was young. Maybe he sees something in him to keep him around as a a, a backup uh, on the, the fullback positions.
2: Yeah, I think I think he stays. Yeah, Brian Reynolds. I, I, I think I
0: think I think at at the at the most he's loaned out. Um, you know he's very raw. I don't know if a raw player like him is is right for Mourinho. Maybe he goes on loan. Maybe he sticks around, but I don't know if he gets much playing time.
2: Yeah, yeah. Uh, Federico Fazio. I think he's gone. Me too. Bohemir
0: Ah, this this becomes interesting now. And we had a question about Myerall. If he's around, it's as the backup striker. Um, I don't know if he's the type of striker Mourinho likes or not. But uh, if he's <laughs> around, he's the backup.
2: Yeah, this goes to. Kill your, uh, kill your idols question. Jekyll, uh, yes or no? Who's the best striker Mou could get? And what about Maynard? Do you, do you think Maynard beats out the competition on the transfer market? I don't think so. Okay. So he's back up at best?
0: You back up at best. Okay.
2: Nicolas Zaniolo? Yes. Gianluca Mancini? Yes. Maras Kumbula?
0: Kumbula, I, I think so. I think the club just invested heavily in him.
2: I think no. I you think no? It. The yeah, only thing...
0: I could see him moving on from Kumbala because I don't know if he's the type of defender he'd want, but I think it'd be hard for the club to match what they spent on him.
2: That's true. That would be the issue with Kumbala. Yeah, that That's definitely true. I just, I just can't see it. Like I, I, he's a right-footed, relatively slow defender. I have no problem with slow defenders in principle, but for someone who plays defensive football and is willing to let five players break off, um, you know, you, you're gonna get outdone by teams that uh, move as a block you know, if the team moves as a block and they outnumber your your defense like let's say let's say it's a Fonseca team for argument's sake uh, who leave two at the back so you're outnumbered by um, you know was it was a eight eight to eight to five in your in your half or eight to six mm-hmm. eight to five you know you need you need your your defensive players to have their wits about them. I think that's hard for Cumbura. He, he's someone who belongs in a compact team. Yeah, um, that's why so- he
0: thrived under Urich, I think
2: exactly. Javier Pastori.
0: I think the club would probably want him gone at this point. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Carlos Perez. I I don't
0: I don't know if there's space for him with uh, some of the players returning from loan.
2: I think it's a yes for me. You think it's You're, a yes. He's, yeah, he's a he's a bulldog when he when he's in the mood. He, yeah, he true.
0: That's true. Uh, Bruno Perez? Considering his contract is up, I think he's gone. Yeah,
2: he's gone.
0: Spinarzola. I think he's around. Me too. Diawara. I kind of put him in the same boat as VR in some ways. Um, yeah. I think if the right offer comes along, I don't think Mourinho would be too heartbroken. I think mm. VR and and Diwara, um are two of the more expendable players that might have
2: some value on the Mercato. Mm. Um, yeah, I agree. I, I think because he's better defensively, I think he's got a better chance than be off. Mm-hmm. But I wouldn't be surprised if he didn't make it. Put it that Yeah. Way. Ricardo Calafiore.
0: Calafiore is interesting. I think he's still young. Um, you know, I think the club club values him. We saw he was first team this year, but could that be more Fonseca than the club? I don't know. Um, I'm going to say potential loan because i think he needs more playing time and he needs to prove that he can stay healthy
2: yeah he's always injured i, I don't yeah. know where to say yes or no because it's just it's a long conversation until he can actually yeah. stay fit
0: the talent's clearly there we've seen the wonder goals and things like that that he scored in his yeah. few matches
2: yeah this is a big one yes. Henrik Mkhitaryan.
0: yeah and we had a question about Mikatarian uh yeah. from one of our listeners but um i i think i mean he hasn't signed a renewal from, yet yeah read the question
2: christopher Christopher Cabra one on Twitter: so Can Camarino fix his broken relationship with Mkhitaryan, who can be an essential factor for Roma in the future?
0: Yeah, that is an interesting question because Mkhitaryan, by you know all standards, has pretty much been Roma's best player this year, uh, especially attacking player. But he has not signed the renewal yet, and I believe the contract itself is up this year. So I
2: actually I actually heard that the deal is that he has an option to leave. Uh, on a release clause just okay like, is that okay I mean? so
0: if it's that um you wonder if he would look elsewhere knowing that his relationship with marino was not very good at United and that kind of killed his United career
2: hmm. I think mcintyre has gone uh, I think yeah. he's too smart of a guy to put up with Mourinho's drama
0: yeah especially uh, after he had the issues with him the first time
2: yeah uh there are just some guys who you know like I, I I don't want to comment on Mourinho as a person because I think his personal life is very separate from the image he put, the persona he puts out in public. But the persona he puts out is like that of a really, no different from that of a schoolyard bully. Um, it just depends on whether he has the trophies to, to justify himself.
1: Yeah.
2: Uh, if you're someone like Mkhitaryan, who's, you know, just very intelligent, uh, you know, gets the game, understands like all phases, um, you know, has enough, uh, spare time to learn six languages on his on his off time. You know when he's not training and works like a beast when he is on the pitch. You see, you know, you tend to see through people like that. You know, when you when you're hanging around, you're, you're that intelligent. You're hanging around someone who's wearing this facade all the time. You're just wondering, you know, why aren't you comfortable just to be yourself? Like, why can't we have a real conversation? So yeah. I think I think guys like Mkhitaryan lose patience with patience with guys like Mourinho, and he's off. Yeah, what about Antonio yeah
0: I think at best, he's third keeper, potentially gone. Maybe even hangs him up after this season, after the, the rough year he's had. I
2: agree. I think it's time for him to hang it up. Yeah. yeah. Daniel Fusato?
0: Uh, Fusato, I could see being the second keeper. If Roma chooses to sell Lopez and only invest in one keeper this summer, I could see him sticking around as the second keeper, maybe getting some Copa games and things like that.
2: Mm. One thing about Marino that I noticed last night, he's not good at with keepers, you know. He, yeah. he's, his best keeper has been Petr Cech and that was someone who Chelsea signed for him before he came to the club. So he wasn't he wasn't actually in charge when uh, the check was agreed. Now you look at um, his keeper at Porto, Vitor Baia, okay, he's he was okay at best. Um, well respected but okay at best if we're being Jul-
0: honest. Julio Cesar um, same thing, pretty solid but, Jul- but not not outstanding I'd say.
2: He was in very good form for a while but yeah, yeah not not the best in the world ever when mm-hmm. he was there. Um, Probably, I, I don't know. I again, I don't know if Julio, no, Julio Cesar was there at the club before Mourinho was at, came. Was yeah, the yeah, they team. didn't sign yeah. it for him, I don't think. Yeah, um, at Real Madrid, he drops Casillas and puts Diego Lopez in goal. Uh, you know, that, that was like Lopez is no muck, he was okay as a possible keeper like Morante in his best day, but still nothing amazing. And then at, at uh, Manchester United, Mourinho says, I found the next great keeper, he's a Portuguese guy, it's, it's Re Patricio, or something like that. and uh, his career is nowhere right now that keeper. Yeah. Um, I think he's Tottenham, the
0: keeper now, right?
2: I take your word for it. I think he might be the keeper. <laughs> okay. Um, and then Tottenham, well, they didn't really make any big moves there. It was, you know, Lotties, and um, uh, Michael Vorm. But again, the, Mourinho had no input there. So just just to say that I don't really know what Mourinho has in mind for keepers because he's had mm-hmm. over 20 years, and I still don't really know if he has a knife with them or not. Yeah, um, but yeah, moving on. Stefan Rodney. yes, I think so. Yes,
0: uh, Robin Olsen, I, I don't think so, but like you said, who knows with keepers what Marino's thinking?
2: Yeah, I'm gonna say yes, but uh, I think it depends on whether Olsen really really wants to stay in England or not. Mm. Um, Alessandro Florenzi,
0: uh, um, interesting, um, because it doesn't seem like he's going to be you know bought permanently by PSG. It becomes an interesting question because Mourinho wasn't the coach that pushed him out the door. The Freakins weren't the ownership group that pushed him out the door and either was Pinto. I-, I wonder if there's potential for a reunion of sorts if Florenzi wants to return to Rome and play for Mourinho. What do you think?
2: I think... Uh, I just don't know where he would play. I, I can't see him being his right back or, no. or even fullback. No. I, could, but I think Florenzi has such a good mentality that Mourinho would like him.
0: That's what I'm sister. thinking, yeah.
2: Yeah. So I think if Lorenzi is adaptable to play in, in midfield or something like that, then maybe. Or may, maybe even as a, as a defensive winger. Yeah. Up front. But um, it really depends. Like I think if Lorenzi stays with the mentality, not necessarily yes. for the skills.
0: Yeah, the work rate um, and the mentality for sure.
2: Yeah. David Boer.
0: Uh, probably alone somewhere to get him regular minutes, I yeah. think.
2: Yeah. Uh, Merchant's gone. Alessand, Alessio Riccardi, sorry.
0: Got to be another loan deal. Um, he hasn't played enough yeah. at Pescada this year to prove anything. Yeah,
2: lost in the wilderness. What about lost in the wilderness? Talk about anti charge
0: <laughs> No way he's back. I didn't even know he was still <laughs> on the books at this point, but no way he's back.
2: He still is. And guess who's still, who's still here as well? Steven and Zonzi on the books, at least.
0: Uh, I I would hope he's not back.
2: I think he's having such a good time and in, in, in playing so well that he stays there. Doesn't, yeah, I don't think he's back. Jengis Under.
0: Under is interesting. Um, I think he would have been a better fit for Maurizio Sadi returning from loan, I think, because the way Sadi likes to play those three kind of diminutive forwards, the way he did at Napoli. Um, I don't know if he works hard enough for Mourinho.
2: I don't think he does. I think he's gone. Because everyone says about Under, every coach does that. Even Brendan Rodgers today, uh, this season, sorry, Lester says, the one flaw of Under is he just doesn't track back. He doesn't yeah.
0: defend. And that's
2: not gonna fly on Mourinho. Exactly. You are toast on the Mourinho. Justin Cliver.
0: I think he gives I think he's given a chance.
2: Me too. Because he think, he uh, he works hard. Yeah. I think the only thing that stops him from being a starter is that Zaniolo's on the other, other flank. And I mm-hmm. can't see uh, Mourinho trusting two kids at the same time. I think it's he'll be I think he prefer El Suari on that left side and Clive will come off the bench.
0: Yeah, and I uh, think he'll get plenty of chances too off the bench and potentially yeah. some starts mixed in.
2: I agree. There's Uh
0: probably out on loan somewhere, unless they could sell <laughs> him to to somebody some Serie B or lower Serie A team, I guess.
2: Agreed. And then what about uh, youth? There's four names we've seen this season come off the bench: Tommaso Mielese, Ibrima Daboy, Filippo Trippi, and Pietro Bor in goal uh, in friendlies earlier uh, this summer. Do, yeah. do you think that? It's a general question. Do you think that you've gets a chance on the Mourinho or not?
0: I think they're probably all loan deals. Um, they're just coming from the Primavera. I don't see Mourinho throwing an 18, 19-year-old into the mix uh, consistently enough to, to keep them around at such a young age. I think they need to develop more.
2: Okay. Well, It's worth, it's worth saying that, um, and this is what I meant before, about we've seen a, a change, in materi- uh, uh, sorry, change in Mourinho that hasn't necessarily materialized, but just, you know, the, the change is starting to show is that he pointed this out when he was United coach that he actually invited a select group of um, under-23 players to train with the senior team for 12 months, like for a good year ahead of time, so that they became accustomed to what he mm. expected of the senior team. Um, and then he gave debuts to like, Scott McTominay, who we just saw had an excellent game against us in the summits. Uh, he gave six debuts to young United players. Uh, at, at Tottenham, he gave a debut to... Uh, Jeff at Tanganga. Um, so he you know he is giving shots nowadays to, to kids, but he he likes to apparently give them a year's run training first with the with the big boys before he you know really throws them in there. So and those- that's
0: not the end of the world for a kid. I mean it's always good to get game time, but if you're training with the first team, I guess it's not the end of the world.
2: Yeah. So most likely we won't see Milanese double next year, but maybe they'll be you at Trigoria. Warrior with the, with the big guys. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's, that's the whole, whole roster right now.
0: Okay. What, so, next? um, of those players, who do you think he likes the most? So who do you think fits best? I'm going to say my first name that jumped out at me as soon as I saw the signing was John Luca Mancini.
2: Uh, yeah, I agree. Um, who, who else did I have here? Um,
0: I think Mancini reminds, you know, he is like Matarazzi in many ways, and that was one of Marino's favorite players at Inter. Um, yeah. And I think Mancini has even more quality uh, than Matarazzi in some ways, especially on the ball.
2: Yeah. Um, I, to think, with that.
0: I think I think he's going to like Ibanez and Matarazzi, um, not Matarazzi, Mancini, to be honest, because they're both gritty defenders with plenty of skill who will track back and have pretty decent pace. I think he could fit. They could both fit very well.
2: I could I could honestly see Ibanians getting sold this this summer, but the only reason why I see him staying is if Mancini, after the Euros, gets convinced by uh, Mourinho to move into midfield. Mm. I think it's like having seen Mancini this season, uh, I'm now convinced more than ever that it's a shame he sees himself as a central defender. I you know when, when I think of the stuff I love about Mancini, it's uh, the way he moves into space, the way he um, uses the ball, his passing. Um, I can't really think of a game where I've, I've thought Mancini's an excellent defender, like with, with an excellent sense of timing the tackle or timing the interception. Um, like he, he's got an excellent sense of moving to space and, and being at the right place, right time. So that helps him to defend. But I don't see him as a becoming a top, top class defender. Whereas if mm-hmm. he became a defensive midfielder, he could really, really do damage. Like he, The way he um, uh, helps move the ball from the back line to the middle, I think that's essential to a Mourinho team. And that's more or less what Javier Zanetti was doing when he was converted to DM at Inter mm. Mourinho. So I see that role for him. And and that would give Baniers uh room to breathe and stay in the background with Roma in the in the flat four. We'll mm. see how he does that. It, interesting. Gonna,
1: yeah.
2: Yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna throw a name, a random name, which is I think it's David Santon. I think that would be Mourinho's favorite player because um, we were talking earlier before we got on air about how uh, at Inter you saw uh Mourinho being very Italian with his fullbacks and that he has he likes one attacking or one driving forward yeah. and one staying back. I think keeping Santon around you know, barring the scenario that we just go out and buy like cash immediately, mm-hmm. um Santon helps you know anchor that defense and come in tight, tuck in and perform that like makeshift three and a half defense where Spinozola runs up. So I think Santon is there's got to be more favored than we than we believe or yeah. standing, standing right
0: now i could see that and they have that relationship back from when santone was like an 18 19 year old kid coming up with the inter he gave him his first chance when santone was supposed to be the quote-unquote next maldini you know he never amounted to that that was always you know high praise to hang on an 18 year old and high expectations but uh, i think you're right and you know um this i referenced solano's podcast earlier i heard Nima make that reference to the way kivu would play as that like auxiliary left back Third center back kind of role, and cone would move down the right side. That same cone that we saw when he came to Roma would do that in the first season, and I think Santone would be the perfect foil on the right to Spinazzola on the left. We saw Fonseca could do that a little bit early in the season, uh, yeah. or maybe it was last season before Roma switched to the back three. Um, it could work, you know, because Santone is is very responsible defensively. And he does have some skill on the ball, so it could work. And I think you're right. And he's probably on a cheap enough salary that Roma can keep him around as the second right back. He could fill in at left back. He's played both sides in his career. Uh, It Mm. could work.
2: Yeah. I'm looking at the other questions, that whether we've dealt with them or not, by reading out all those names. And I think generally the one question we haven't confronted that many people have asked in different ways is, um, who do you see the club signing this summer, if money's an object?
0: Um, I think a striker is the first, um, you know, choice to me, the perfect fit for a Mourinho type team con- considering his work rate and his, his willingness to track back from the striker position and work for his team has to be Andrea Belotti.
2: Yeah. I think yeah. he'd be a yeah.
0: perfect fit with the, the team yeah. Roma has and that mentality that Mourinho is going to try to instill. Um, yeah. I think Vlaovic could be another option. We see his name thrown around a lot. I think if he, um sign Vlaovic you're you're looking for the big potential in him um yeah it's going to cost money but it would it would certainly signal that you're looking to build fairly young and sustainable but with big time ceiling big time upside um yeah, yeah it was interesting I read in that um, piece with the Tottenham website was that they mentioned that Harry Kane and how certain players really thrive under Mourinho and Kane was one of them and mm-hmm. how he went from being just, you know, a goal scorer to a guy who is now leading the Premier League in goals and assists this year. Um, yeah. And could Mourinho work that kind of magic with a guy like Vlaovic who has shown that he can score goals in Serie A uh, with the best of them this season, especially in the second half of the season? Could he turn him into a more complete striker? Is that a project Mourinho would want to take on? Or would he want a more, com- um, you know, match-ready guy, like if he's looking to finish top four like a Belotti? Um, yeah,
2: I'm- I think it's a lot to ask for someone that young to become yeah.
0: complete. Yeah, which is uh, why I think Belotti is probably the, uh, in my opinion, at least, if I'm Tiago Pinto and I'm looking for a striker, uh, I'm yeah. looking at him because I even think about the Inter days. You know, Diego Milito was the striker. He was not a a household name really before Inter in terms he of a cool. starting caliber European striker. Um, and and so.
2: before that, they, they even also tried David Suazo, who was a flop. And yeah, Milito turned out to be the guy who. Was ready for what what Mourinho was looking for in Suazo.
0: Even um, Goran Pandev got plenty of minutes under Mourinho. Yep, I believe in that and, team. Uh, um, he's still he had, getting minutes yeah. in Genoa. <laughs> yeah, but he had, um,
2: he had, he had guys like uh, Julio Cruz in the background and Hernan Crespo as well, who, who, who would somehow sometimes ghost in and ghost out. And and the, the way he used Samuel Eto'o was um very innovative. Well, not innovative, but very different for what Eto'o had been asked to do mm-hmm. previously in his career, and really showed. A great side of Eto that he was actually willing to do that, which is he was willing to be that that wide forward that tracked back and helped defence and just cover like a million million miles in the opposition half from defending to attacking in a split second. So it's it's hard to find that collection of individual talent uh, when you're Roma right now. Yeah, uh, it also re- relates to AS Roma fans' final question: AS Roma fans six, sorry. Uh, he says like, another question. I know he likes four-two-three-one formation. If they can't a if they can't sign a striker, can Zaniolo play that role?
0: I think that's an interesting question. I think Zaniolo is one of the players. If he is fully fit and anywhere near what we saw prior to the injuries, I think he Mm. will benefit greatly from Mourinho. I think Mourinho will push him to another level if physically Mm. he's up to it Um, because we've seen what he he's done with talented players like a Harry Kane and like some of these other guys that we've seen at some of his other stops. Um, Mm. And, uh, you know, Zaniolo's got all the talent in the world. He's got the build to potentially play striker, but, um, I think the only way Zaniolo plays in a, a striker type role is if they can't sign a striker that they're willing to spend the money on, I guess, like a Balotelli or a Vlaovic type player. I expect them to sign a striker, but I mean, I don't see why Zaniolo couldn't be what Harry Kane was this year for Spurs in the sense that he could drop into more of an attacking midfield role and play in teammates and score goals himself. I think he's got the potential for that.
2: I see it differently. I, I don't, I don't think he's good at hold up play. I think he's good at holding up the ball, but that's different to actually linking up with your teammates. You know, like being confident enough to to look around, find the pass mm. in time, um, especially on the Mourinho team. You know, like you don't you're going to be outnumbered most of the time in the yeah. your position. You're gonna you gonna need to make the most of the time you have on the break. Um, I see Zaniola much more adapted to being a wide forward. I agree who,
0: in that sense. Yes, yeah,
2: who helps out tracking back and then wins the ball and, and runs up and. And as long as he's wide where there's space, he, he's confident enough to find very good passes into the box. But from the middle, it's hard because you have defensive midfielders over you. Uh, you can get double teamed um, and you got center backs on you as well. And it's you know, like, don't get me wrong. Zanio, I could definitely see the part that people like about that, where he could have his back to goal and physically win the ball. But what does he do with it next? Yeah. You know, like he, he's, He's, he's slow in that sense in terms of seeing the pass and, and being confident. So right? I think he, he'd find more confidence out wide.
0: Probably. Yeah, I, I think if they could get a belotti type striker and play him wide of Belotti and you know they have the license to go forward when Roma's in the attack, um, and then you have someone like Pellegrini who's got an eye for a pass, you know, with them running off a player like that. I mean, I think Roma could be very dangerous in the counter attack.
2: Yeah, um, yeah, you know, I agree with you. um, the two two questions that we've kind of touched upon, but I'll phrase it in a different way when we're done. There's at Dayedani asked, just yes, your predictions for the transfer market, i.e. did Mourinho come to work with less or are there some transfers up Freaking sleeves this summer? And then there's at Edison Cavani who asks, which players do you think Mourinho might sign? And at Ogiladuro says, what players are we signing? So I'll just ask each of you like this, Steve. Have you seen transfer targets that we linked to today and do you think any of them are believable?
0: I mean, I've seen all all kinds of names. I even saw like, oh, could Roma go after Diego Costa on a free? Please no. Like, this guy's like in his 30s. Like, I don't want that. We might as well just keep Dzeko at this point. Um, You know, I think they're going to be linked to tons of names, like you said, those Mendes clients and the ex-Marino players and things like that. I definitely think striker is a priority. I think depending on uh, if your theory about Mancini pans out, midfield could be a priority if Mancini stays at center back um, because I think he's going to look for a little more – Great in the midfield than Roma currently has with the DORs yeah. and the VRs of the world um, you know da- Daniele De Rossi is not coming out of retirement but that's like that Mourinho type defensive midfielder I feel like who could really just um, yeah. dig in and, and and break up opposing attacks um, so I think midfield could be a place where Roma spends and it, you know it might take the sacrifice of VR and DOR or one or the other or both um, but I think those players have less value in his squad than they would have in in Fonseca squad moving forward if Fonseca was still the manager or Asadi was coming in um, where yeah. you have that like Georgina Regista type player um, goalie I, is interesting if he values an Olsen or a Lopez maybe Roma saves the money at, at goalkeeper I don't know
2: mm. I think it, if we're in dreamland the money is an object I think yeah. the priorities for him are uh, right back maybe Santon is just a backup and he actually finds a right back who can drive the ball and defend like an mm-hmm. actual complete you know, well-rounded right back um and uh I agree with you, defensive midfield, uh a lot of money has to be spent there. and I, I know that we were linked today with the Portuguese player that Bayern Munich signed. Yes, um, I, I saw that. his name. Yeah. Uh, so that that's up a mod player I could see him signing for midfield. because uh, not not necessarily not just someone who can win the ball, but someone who can actually drive it forward, like, you know, physically beat, you know, break it, break his way out of a press. Um and I think like I said, star striker. Like the spine of the team has to be reinforced. Um, mm-hmm. it's, it's good enough to have Pellegrini in the hole, but behind him and in front of him, you need a star striker. You need a keeper uh, who's more disposed to being uh, saving and conservative, being conservative rather than being talocist. So yeah,
0: um, they, they need someone who's yeah. going to stop shots, which is why maybe they don't pursue uh, Musso and they go for more of a Silvestri type keeper someone who makes the saves he's supposed to make and just has to boot it forward to whoever's playing striker.
2: Yeah, definitely not Bellini. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Yeah. That was, that was pretty disastrous. Uh, (laughs) On Sunday against (laughs) Sassuolo, I have to say. Um, So now let me ask you a question because I'm thinking to the inter team because that was the Mourinho team I watched the most being a Serie A fan. Wesley Schneider Mm -hmm. was vital in that team. I'm not saying Pellegrini is Schneider. Um, but do you think he can play that role where he's the kind of pulls the strings in the attacking midfield and can really develop under Mourinho? Because we've seen more Grinta from him this season. We've seen better defensive responsibility from him this season. Do you think Mourinho can push him to that next step of being a more complete attacking midfielder?
2: The, the rifinatore, yeah. yeah. I, I think Pellegrini is already there. Like, like you said, I'm not, I'm not saying he's on the level of Wesley Snyder, but remember that when Wesley Snyder came to Inter, he was... His his stock was low, like he yeah. flopped yes. at Real Madrid. Mm-hmm. And people were saying he couldn't play top level football. So that's that's are the same doubts that some people have about Lorenzo Pellegrini right now. Uh, so there's, there's no reason why he can't take that, you know, that next level. Uh, what Pellegrini seems to be lacking over Schneider is that he really only sees one side of the pitch when moving forward. Like he sees things on his right foot much faster mm-hmm. than he sees when he's forced his left. Um, so I think. Yeah, there's really no reason why he can't be that final third player in the hole that, that attacking midfielder. Um, but again, he has competition. I think in the Marino team, he has competition, direct competition with Brian Cristante and with uh, Jordan Vartu for that for that very mm-hmm. same role. So we're kind of overstocked in that sense.
0: Yeah. Could you see Cristante under Mourinho playing in the, the, the double pivot with uh, another defensive midfielder? Like if Mancini moves I, to defensive midfield, could you see Crisante or is that too slow of a combination?
2: No, I could see that. I, I could definitely see that, yeah. I could see because that. I could in see a
0: physical that. match, that would be a physical duo in the midfield.
2: Yeah, it'd be like Tiago Motta was at, uh, mm-hmm. at Inter. So, yeah, yeah, I could,
0: yeah I, I could see him being that Tiago Motta type player. Uh, you know, he's got a nose for goal, Crisante. We've seen that. And, you know, I think we're going to see him back there tomorrow in the midfield where he's going to start to transition back to a midfield role with Roma likely moving to a back four again. Yeah, um, but I think what, what we've seen here with this quick discussion we've had with the Mercato is that I think priorities change with Mourinho coming in than what we were expecting um, mm-hmm. outside of striker. Strikers a given. I think other things have changed, I think, in terms of priorities for a manager you know, yeah. you know, rather than a Fonseca or a, a Maurizio Sarri. Um, I'm sure we'll have plenty of chats about the Mercato moving forward as the season starts to wrap up but let's just make some predictions about how it'll go, Sean, and we'll do that based on some listener questions as we wrap up. So um, uh, Jay Swanson said, give me your realistic best case scenario after three years and your worst case. I think we've kind of touched on worst case, but what's your best case scenario? Uh,
2: Best case is it's similar to the questions coming up, which is I think uh, Mourinho leads Roma back to the top four and wins the Coppa Italia. I think that's that's really the best case within the next three years that you can hope for. I mean, unless you went out and spent a amazing amount of money, you know, then I think even even if you spent like a a healthy transfer of like upwards of 100 million, I think that's just to get to the top four and a Coppa Italia. Um, Because the thing is that we can talk about Mourinho likes to win all you want, but the thing is he's dropped down to Serie A now. And Serie A is not a league where you can grow from winning the league title. I mean, Mm -hmm. we've seen you the champions back to back to back to back, and guess what? They still had to sell Paul Pogba. Yeah, yeah. that's that's just that's the stature they are now. There's not enough money and not enough prestige to go around. Like not enough commercial stature that winning a league title means that you're going to take that next jump. And we've known that for decades now because the last time Roma won in 2001, what happened? We didn't grow as a club. We just won a trophy. That was it. Yeah, now, Roma looking to grow as a club commercially. So I think beyond that three year arc. Then you're aiming like if if you're talking about Mourinho's brought to win, the only task that that an Italian club can really discuss winning in terms of growing commercially is a Champions League title. That's that's just how it is because it, it's it's not it's not because Roma are entitled to win the Champions League. It's because the Italian league is just that poor. You know, it's like being back at Porto where winning the Portuguese title great, but really what what sealed uh, Mourinho's legend at Porto was winning the UEFA Cup and then winning the Champions League. Those were the, the big titles to win. Um, but for now, I think best case of a three-year period, Coppa Italia and uh, getting back in the top four to have at least a shot at playing Champions League football. Um, worst case was spelt out on the forum, where uh, year one, okay, we finish better than seven before we don't sign anyone. Year two, Mourinho's already bitching at the board and you know, saying, you know, I'm, I'm big enough that you should be signing my players, uh, coming up with all these excuses. And then year three, the players are tired of him bitching and turning against them, and they just want him out. Or it, it could even happen in year two that the players just want him out, and then Romo stuck paying, uh, you know, seven million a year compensation for a severance pay, and uh, just got taken for a ride by Mourinho.
0: Yeah, I'd say best case, like you said, they're back in the Champions League for sure um, after year one. I think is best case he gets them into the top four this uh, this season coming up without having to deal with European competitions, midweek matches, and they, he takes advantage of that and, you know, gets Roman to the top four. Um, I think a Coppa Italia would be a nice nice thing to actually lift a trophy after what it's been like almost over a decade now. Um, yeah. You know, depending on the other moves that some of these other teams make, if Juve kind of stays down for a couple years and maybe they don't reinforce their squad properly, um and inter you know maybe starts to come back to earth a little bit maybe they can compete with these top teams and maybe not win a scudetto but at least get back in that conversation um Mm -hmm. if there was ever a time to try to take advantage of juve it's now i think we've seen their squad is definitely weakened they have some big issues to figure out with ronaldo and things like that um you know inter was head and shoulders above them this year but you know in a normal season i think um you know inter was very good but they weren't like outstanding like those 97 point juves or whatever we saw when juve was in their prime so maybe you know with Mourinho and the right signings he can push the team closer to that level i don't know um but you're right worst case scenario he fizzles out and more than fizzles out kind of explodes out the door in 18 months like at spurs i think Um, I think the Freakins will try to be as patient as they can with him because they're just starting out a little different than the Tottenham situation where Levy's been established as an owner. Um, But if he wears out his welcome with the players, there's only so much the Freakins can do to to buy time, I think. Um, And that would be worst case.
2: Do you think – this isn't a question we plan today, but do you think uh, Guido Fienga survives the Mourinho storm? (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) I don't know. Because Guido Fienga doesn't have – he don't think it doesn't have any pool in, in football. People, yeah. when he got the job, people asked, like, "How did this guy get the job? He, he, this is his first football job." Whereas Mourinho is well connected. So, yeah. what's the use of get, get a finger at the club right now?
0: Yeah. What is his role right now, anyway? At this point,
2: he's, he's a CEO of the club. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Which, who who knows what he's doing?
1: <laughs>
2: right. yeah. I can't see him doing much of the heavy lifting. Yeah. No. What be done.
0: No. Maybe unless he like about- secures some big sponsors or
2: something, maybe they'll, they'll keep him around. <laughs> What about uh, Pietro's question? Pietro, this is the second time we're going to read out your username because you, you keep asking questions and we appreciate that. So you deserve to be read out. <laughs> Pietro, R03631574. We've dealt with his first question about the top four in Copa over three years. But he also asked, a coach like Mourinho has definitely offered some guarantees before he signed the contract. Any speculation on what those guarantees might be?
0: I would have to think like you talked about maybe not big investments this summer. I'm thinking maybe this summer, if he looked at Roma's roster, which obviously he would have, he's a very uh, astute man when it comes to football. Uh, He would have studied Roma's roster before accepting and said, you know, I need at least a striker and this, and um, maybe they give him those guarantees, you know, like um, and then moving forward, maybe they, they, tell him you know if you get us to the champions league we'll spend x amount of money to reinforce your squad maybe those kind of guarantees i don't know if there's specific numbers involved or specific players or type of players involved or how many stars he's asking for things like that but i think there has to be some kind of guarantee that he'll be given the leash um to to run things the way he wants to run the team and you know probably invest in the squad in some way what do you think
2: I think we're looking at the guarantee. It just it just got announced this week. Um, I, I'm going to sound cynical, but look, I've read that Jose Maria, Jose sorry, is worth 125 million net. Um, a lot of that has come from what he's been paid by getting fired. Yeah, right. Like he's been he's been paid like 20 20 million worth of uh, value on his contract with United. He's he's getting paid uh, 40 million worth of value on his contract with Tottenham. When you all add, when you add it all up. Um, you know, that's not an insignificant sum of his, his total net worth. So, you know, Mourinho is, uh, is fine with his career slide right now because he's, he's getting paid on the way down. And uh, he's getting paid at Roma as well. So that's the guarantee. Mm. You know, like I said, Mourinho is a brand. <laughs> um, he's, you know, he's, he's, if you look at him purely as a brand, he's cashing out right now. He doesn't have anything to lose on this on their slides. And that's, that's, that's the guarantee he has coming to Roma. Mm. Um, anything, anything beyond that? I trust me. I'd be more than happy to be proven wrong. I'd be more than happy to find out tomorrow that Freakins have promised him, you know, some top top players. But I think Mourinho's already safe. He's across yeah. the line right
0: now. I think, in terms of cynicism, it's the most cynical way of looking at the guarantee. But I think you're right. When it comes to Mourinho, money is is certainly important, uh, and mm-hmm. that guarantee of if I get canned, I'm getting paid. I think is probably a big thing with him. I think you're right, uh, even uh, if it I'm might also- sound, yeah.
2: I also base that, you know, not just speculation, but uh, I don't know if you've watched All or Nothing, the Spurs edition.
0: I haven't yet, but I'll have to watch it because now that he's our manager, I have to get a little insight.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so his first ever talk with Harry Kane, and you're saying Harry Kane loves him, and I understand why, but he invited him to his office as, uh, I think, acting captain at the time. Hugo Reese is is the actual captain, but Harry Kane was fit, Lloris wasn't, so he said, come to my office in the morning. And he said, "Um, look, they didn't talk about football, at least not as, far as the televised part was concerned. I, I, was, I was disappointed because the only thing he had to say to Kane was, look, I think that you want to be making that next level where you at a club that you feel like you can win a trophy, but more importantly, you feel like you can be high profile. Mm-hmm. And Harry Kane was saying, yeah, yeah, because I see myself being mentioned in the same name as like Ronaldo Messi, right? And whether you think that's ambitious for Kane or not, is yeah, he, the point is they were talking about glamour, and uh, and and status and prestige in the game. Right. Mourinho said, "Yeah, if you stick by me, um, you, that will rub off on you because I'm someone mm-hmm. you know. Where I came to Chelsea, people start speaking about me that way, and that's me right now." So he's talking about himself as a brand. That, that's that's what that's where we go back to how Mourinho wins the authority over players. Is that this is what he has to offer them? This is his security. He's saying, "I'm I'm basically a celebrity in football"? And if you want to be a celebrity too, do things my way. But the, the, that, that's, his, that's his guarantee. You know, that's, he's, he's very conscious about his brand right
0: now. Yeah, I, I think you're right. And then our, our next question comes from a, a, a user who also you know, asked us some questions in the past. P. Fennin History. Yeah. Uh, he asked what would be considered a successful tenure for Mourinho. We kind of talked about that, but his, the second part of his question that uh, is interesting, we know he's a trophy-winning expert, but often burns out hard at clubs. So would a Coppa Italia win at the cost of learned, long-term growth be worth it, Sean, considering Roma's drought of trophies?
2: Uh, no, it wouldn't, because what does that actually pay on the bottom of the line? Yeah. It's, uh, there's nowhere near any... Like it pays maybe, what, two... Like winning the Coppa Italia in one season pays two years' worth of Mourinho's wages. And that's it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, as much as I'd like to win at least a Coppa Italia, I don't, I don't want to sacrifice long-term growth. Um, a Scudetto might be a different conversation because we know how rare it is to win a Scudetto in Rome. Uh, Coppa mm-hmm. might not be worth it, though. Um,
2: on, on, on an emotional level, it'd be great. But yes. You're talking about at the cost of long-term growth. Like, what, are, we, are we burning players' careers? Are we, you know, are we uh, ripping up the identity of the club? Are we starting again from scratch in a few years' time at more cost? It's just the corporate title doesn't have that kind of pull.
1: Yeah. Of for
0: that. Yeah. It's definitely lost some of its luster in in, in the common the modern era of football, um, mm-hmm. winning those cup titles, so to speak. Um, and then our last question was kind of a a bit of a funny one. Uh, it came on Twitter with like a winking face, and it was from Nur Moaz, and he said, "How do you really say the word?" And I'll spell it for you: D A J E. Because I know in the British press they had a lot of difficulty with that yesterday, Sean.
2: Yeah. As far as I know, you say die. Just, yeah. Just like, just like classic Italian the D A I, but yeah, in Romanesco it's D A J E.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and that's you know the I common. Could, I could be wrong about that. Yeah, <laughs> I I've heard die die. I don't know. Um... Definitely not the way they would pronounce it over on Sky or whatever channel that was in in the UK yesterday. They they made quite the. Yeah. (laughs) If you haven't seen that clip on Twitter, it's definitely worth a look because it was certainly entertaining. Um, It just kind of feeds into the stereotype that you know Italy's looked at as like a farmers' league in the UK, I guess in some senses (laughs) these (laughs) days, and Roma's kind of a joke club um, (laughs) to them. Uh, but you know we'll have plenty of Mourinho coverage coming up in the in the coming weeks and months, and hopefully three years if things are going well for Roma, and hopefully there'll be a lot of yeah. positives to report. But I'm sure we'll have a lot of you know speculation moving forward and pieces and looking at potential transfers and and who might fit best. And I'm sure we'll have plenty of coverage like that as the season wraps up. You know it'll be an interesting end to the season. For Roma and for us covering Roma, considering that Paulo Fonseca at this point is pretty much like a lame duck, like you would see a politician who's a lame duck politician after an election um, before mm-hmm. the new guy is sworn in or the new woman is sworn in. Um, but for the meantime, you know, keep up with the match coverage, all our Mourinho coverage and anything else that breaks. Um, tomorrow, Sean, you know, some listeners might listen to this before the match. Any, <laughs> any shot in hell that Roma even makes it competitive in, in the final aggregate scoreline.
2: I would love it. I'd love it if they win four nil. Yeah. because um, <laughs> then then we'd really be like talking about the unexpected. And then, then what what the hell happens? Like, you know, that does Palaforce could go on and win a Europe League trophy and then and then that's even more pressure on Marino to win something. Wouldn't that be the Europe most Mexico.
0: Roma thing ever? <laughs>
2: <laughs> the, then, then winning the Champions League is the only thing that's good enough
1: <laughs> <Yeah>.
0: <laughs> maybe the Scudetto <laughs> but yeah I mean, if, if they even win 2 or 3 nothing and just make it competitive on the scoreline uh, would be I think a feat in itself but look they, nice. they went down <laughs> and I'm not saying this Roma team is anywhere near that team that defeated Barcelona but you know crazy things have happened to at least make it interesting um, who yeah. knows I think that's but the well, optimistic view. I don't think they'll do it, uh, yeah, especially well. in this current situation.
2: Unfortunately, that that Boston team wasn't motivated. They were, yeah, they were, they were done with their coach. Whereas this United team were motivated to finish the job. So,
0: yeah, and Roma doesn't even have their full contingent of players available. I did the probable formation. Say that yeah. the injury list has gotten very long again, very who, quickly.
2: Who who plays on the left flank, by the way? Because there's no there's no one there.
0: I, I'm guessing but, it has to be Bruno Perez, or was he suspended for this no, he's, one?
2: He's injured. He's injured after the last game.
0: Oh, Bruno Perez got injured too. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so if you read my probable formations, uh, after, before after reading this, ignore that. I guess it would be oh, Santon yes. then, right?
2: I guess so. Or, or maybe Carlos up on the left and Santon on the right.
0: Yeah. Well, some combination of that, I, I guess. Uh, yeah. So that'll be interesting. Considering we play a three-four-two-one, the only positive is that we finally have our preferred back three finally back together. <laughs> yeah. That's you know, true. All this Ibanez, Mancini and Smalling, but other than that, yeah, it's gonna it'll be interesting. Um, and then after that's Crotone on Sunday it could be possible that Roma loses to all the relegation teams this year if they lose to crotone because uh, <laughs> they've been losing to everybody in the bottom half lately so but again if we don't want to finish in the seventh and in the conference league I guess that's you know maybe worth the price considering is yeah. ready out the door
2: a lot, a lot of pe- a lot of teams down there play good football the way really. you know Palmer play very very good football mm. it's, just, it's very strange how football works that they obviously couldn't keep it switched on for 38 games in a season maybe not even for like three games in a row because their form is terrible but if you actually watch how Palmer play football Roberto Diversa hasn't played nice stuff
0: yeah and I I don't know why he was let go in the first place to start the season and they gave it to Liverani who played very negative football at Lecce for the most part I think um I, I would have kept Diversa and they're probably not in the relegation zone but you know we've seen more talented teams than them go down I guess so All right, we'll leave it there, Sean, and uh, we'll be back, I'm sure, with plenty more Mourinho talk in the next few episodes.